Thank you for the distinguished honor of being the alumni of the year for 2015. This place holds much joy in my heart. I loved being a student at Tyndale. It was a joy to have been here for the four years of my undergrad. During my undergrad, I had the privilege of serving uh, every year in student leadership, either um, with the student council, I don't know what it's called now, um, or as an RA, and I loved my time here. A couple of quick stories, and then I want to dive into God's Word about Tyndale. I was in this place when I was 18 years old, in this chapel. We would walk by frequently, us young 18-year-old Tyndale students, and decided that we should meet some of the beautiful Catholic girls that came here. So we came to the front door of the school and we asked for a tour. Five young girls, five of us, sorry, two young girls, 18 years of age, our age, answered the door right there at the front. And we thought, this is perfect. And uh, we asked them if they had any friends that could join us for the tour. And they said they did. So we're waiting there. And in a couple of moments, two 84-year-old nuns came to give us a tour. It was fantastic. And uh, the girls sat there laughing their heads off as we then toured the school with the 84-year-old nuns for two hours. My other memory is I grew up in the country, and so when the other building was building the seminary, I went to the construction workers, I was an RA that year, and said, can we take some of the wood and have a bonfire? And they said, sure. So all week long, they saved the wood for us. And on that Thursday night, I see some people here who may have even been there, we had a bonfire on Tyndale campus. Now, literally 80 people showed up. So we got this bonfire going. It's probably 10 or 12 feet high. I've just got it roaring. We're like roasting marshmallows. I don't know if we're singing Shine, Jesus, Shine or Kumbaya, but there we are singing away. And the neighbors have called because they think the school is on fire. And when people think the school is on fire, the Toronto Fire Department showed up in force, like truck after truck after truck after truck after truck, pulled onto the Tyndale campus thinking you were burning inside. Instead, we were singing Kumbaya and roasting marshmallows. I remember the next day sitting in the administrative office. I was never a, a mischievous student. In fact, posters were all over the school that said, come to the bonfire. I said to Rod Wilson at the time, you could have come. Um, but uh, I learned at that time that you can't have bonfires in the proper city of Toronto. Let me pray. You are a good God. We thank you for Tyndale, and we thank you for its many years of faithfulness. We thank you that you are our God, and we are your children. And as we hear from your word now, we ask that you'd be with us, for we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me take you to the cross. Christ is being beaten. It's a torture that was developed by the Persians, perfected by the Romans. And as Christ is there on the cross dying, he's been whipped, he's been mocked, he's been beaten, and he's hanging, nailed there, suffocating, dying on the cross. The wrath of the Father is being poured out on him. And as he hangs there on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He does so because the perfect communion that the fellowship or, or fellowship that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had always enjoyed from eternity past was somehow interrupted in this moment as the Father's wrath is poured on the Son and He became our sin. That's what Corinthians tells us, right? He who had no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us so that we could become righteous. And as He's there hanging on the cross, we find this encounter in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, these words. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, that's Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the other criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. 
and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus is there being crucified with criminals. These weren't just common thugs. These were men who deserved the death penalty. They were insurrectionists. They were men who deserved to die for their crimes against Rome. And there they are hanging on crosses, the most painful torture known to humanity at the time. The Word of God then says this, the people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If you are the Christ, the Son of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers came and mocked him also. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. I don't know if you've found this, but I have. I can go lots of places and talk about God, and it's fine. I can go places and talk about church. And when I have a church that this Christmas will hand out 300 Christmas hampers, in the summer runs a soccer league for 300 children that otherwise wouldn't be in any organized sport, I can talk about church, and lots of people will listen. The minute I move to Jesus, the minute I talk about him, controversy strikes. And there they are at the cross mocking him. If you're the Christ, come down. If you're the Christ, save yourself. Come on, you told us you were. And yet there he simply hangs, dying, as the wrath of the Father is poured out on him. H.S. Wells says this, H.G. Wells says this. I should have put my glasses on. I am a historian. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Gandhi said this, I cannot say that Jesus was uniquely divine. He was as much God as Krishna or Rama or Muhammad. Mikhail Gorbachev said this, Jesus was the first socialist, the first to seek a better life for mankind. Woody Allen said this, if Jesus were to come back and saw it was being done in his name, he wouldn't be able to stop throwing up. And John Lennon said this, we're more popular than Jesus now. Everyone has an opinion about Jesus. When my wife and I were having our first son, we went to prenatal classes. We're there, it's hosted in a church by the public uh, nurse department of Hamilton. So we get there, mainly just non-believers there, and we're all in the hallway, and the guys, the expectant fathers, are all looking at the depictions of Jesus in the hallway. And they start to mock and they start to laugh. Ha ha, you know, this is funny. Freaks believe in this, all kinds of stuff. I'm about to interject when we're asked to sit down. She said, expectant fathers over here, expectant mothers over there. So I'm sitting down with the guys, and the lady says, as you introduce yourself, tell them who you are, what you do, you know, excited about being a dad, all that kind of stuff. So I'm the third guy in. There's like nine of us. Third guy in, I'm like, hey, guys. First guy introduces himself. Second guy does I, guys. said, my name's Dwayne Klein. I'm a minister, and I believe that Jesus Christ, whom you were mocking in the hallway, is the sovereign I am of the universe who will bring us all into judgment one day. And I'm done. That's it. That's all I said. Next guy, next guy. This is exactly what happened. He said, I used to go to church, man. I didn't mean to mock him in the hallway. I'm so sorry. He doesn't even tell us his name. He doesn't even tell us his name. He said, I know I shouldn't have been doing that. And then we're sitting there praying. Now he's like, would you pray for me? I'm like, sure. So now I'm praying for this guy, fourth guy in, in prenatal class. Everyone has an opinion about Jesus. They were mocking him at the cross. There was written a notice above him, and it read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Then the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? 
You and I, we're under the same sentence. We're being punished justly. We're getting what we deserve. This man's done nothing wrong. Somehow, miraculously, in those moments as he was hanging on the cross beside Jesus and Jesus was dying, this man saw something in Jesus that he needed. I don't know what it was. Was it the fact that criminals, when they usually died on crosses, would spit on the people that was killing them, would mock them, would laugh at them, would try to urinate on them? Because, of course, they were naked on the cross. We depict Christ, and rightly so, with a cloth, but there was no cloth. And criminals violently would have tried to get back at the people that were killing them. And maybe it was because he looked at his mother and John and said, John, would you take care of her? Maybe it's because he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe it's because even on the cross, he always responded with grace and hope and peace and love. Maybe that's what the criminal saw. I don't know. But somehow he stops the other criminal and says, don't you fear God? We're here because our dirt deeds deserve this. This man's done nothing wrong. He realizes the man hanging beside him, the man dying, is completely innocent. And he knows he's not. I get to meet with lots of people who've been incarcerated. I used to go into jail a lot. They let me out each time, which was nice. And uh, I'd go to visit people. And at one time, I was running a group for young offenders. It grew. I eventually had all 30 of the young offenders coming uh, at the prison, at, at the incarceration center um, in Hamilton. And the province eventually gave them credit for coming to this course I was running on God and Jesus. It was amazing. This is a number of years ago. And as I was doing this one day, the guards said, you know, we should, um, we should send some guards in with you. And I thought it was to hear my content. I said, that's fine. You guys can come and hear what I'm teaching. They said, it's got nothing to do with what you're teaching. Last week, we realized that you're in there with every young offender. And if they took you hostage, there was nothing we could do. I said, well, then come on in. We'd love to have you there. I don't want to be taken hostage. And, um, and one day, you know, one of the young men said to me, you know, I don't deserve to be here. And he told me why. He said, you know, I, I, I walked in on my girlfriend sleeping with my buddy. And so I took a rock that was sitting on my night table, and I just bashed his head in until he nearly died. But it was his fault, not mine. I don't deserve to be here. And I said, I, I don't agree with you. I'm glad you're behind bars. And then the next guy came to me and told me why he didn't deserve to be there. And then the next guy, you know, we broke into a place, man. We didn't mean to hurt anybody. We know nobody was going to be in there. But they all thought they didn't deserve to be there, but they did. This criminal realizes he deserves to be there and hang on the cross and die. And Jesus has done nothing wrong. And he utters these words, don't you fear God? Do you fear God? Today, can I suggest this? If you don't believe you deserve hell, you're not saved. If you don't believe you deserve hell, you are not saved. How can you be? What are you saved from? I mean, God is other. He's God. He's the creator of all things. He spoke everything into existence. It's incredible, isn't it? God just spoke and things showed up. If you don't think that's hard, go outside today and just say, let there be, start simple, a blade of grass. And see what happens. I'm going to assume nothing will happen. If something does, you need to go talk to the social worker here at the school. Um, God is all-powerful. He simply speaks and everything shows up. He holds the very universe together by his might and will. He is other. He is holy. He is perfect. He is unchanging. He is God. And he is to be feared. He is to be feared. Don't you fear God? People will come to me all the time when I debate on university campuses and say, hell's not fair. And I, I don't agree. Hell is fair. Here's why. Just follow me for a minute. When people say for all of their life, I don't want God, I don't want God, I don't want God, I don't want God, God gives them exactly what they want. They don't get God. 
It's just not what they expect. You see, they think hell is a place where Satan is in charge. They think hell is a place where they get to party. Hell is a place where there is no love, where there is no joy, where there is no peace. Hell is a place where there is no kindness. In fact, because God is in perfect communion with himself as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, I believe in hell. No one ever has contact with anyone else. I believe you in utter, total isolation from each other. That is hell. Exactly what people want. I don't want God. Not what they expect. And so the man looks to the other criminal and says, don't you fear God? And he is to be feared. This man has done nothing wrong. He's innocent. And then he looks at Jesus. Jesus, do you have it in you to remember me? I mean, could you remember me when you come into your kingdom? That man was entirely forgotten. When you hung on the cross, you were your dad's embarrassment. You were your mother's heartache. No one came to cheer you on dying on the cross except the people you had insulted and hurt. But somehow as he was dying there, somehow as he saw Christ's innocence, somehow as he watched Jesus interact with the crowd, as he saw his kindness and love and grace, somehow as the wrath of the Father was being poured out on the Son, somehow in that moment that man realized, I can't do anything about my condition, and Jesus can. And so he looks to him and he simply says, do you, do you have it in you to remember me? when you come into your kingdom? You know the answer, don't you? You've heard this said. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. This you can count on. This is dependable. Today you will be with me in paradise. What? How can that be? I mean, this man has done nothing right. This man's being killed for his crimes. This man deserves to die. He's just admitted it. This man isn't going to come down off the cross. All he's going to do is die. He's not going to become a missionary and tell people about Christ. He's not going to go to a church meeting and tell everybody about who Jesus is. He's not going to do anything for the kingdom of God. All he's going to do is die. But God doesn't save you because you will do anything for the kingdom of God. Isn't that good news? God doesn't save you because there's anything in good that's in you to save. That's the beauty of Christianity. And every other religion, study them. James Beverly, I don't know if he's even here today. James, I just so love him, right, as a guy. Like, he, he just is amazing at walking through other world religions. Read several of the stuff. He challenged me years ago to read prime sources. So I read the Quran. I read some, several Baha'i, you know, Buddhist writings. Lots, right? Hindu. And in every other world religion that you study, everyone you look at, it's about making your way to God. It's about getting your way to Him. It's about being good enough for God. But we know we can't be good enough for God. God is perfect. There's no being good enough for God. He's the God we need to fear. But He's also the God we can love. Because in Christ, on the cross, Jesus took our place, came down, stepped into time and eternity, was born of the Virgin Mary. Is that not amazing? The Creator of all things confined Himself to a womb while the Father knit Him together for nine months, had to learn to put His sandals on, learn to work 
work in the carpentry shop, learned to add the God of all creation, fully human, fully God, at the end of his life, decided to give his life up for us. Hebrews tells us that while he was there on the cross, he endured its scorn. He endured the cross, sorry, he scorned its shame for the joy set before him. You were his joy. What is different because of the cross? What is different is that we get to be in relationship with the God of the universe because of the cross. What is different is we can be saved because of the cross. What is different is God's love can be extended to us because of the cross. What is different is this God whom we fear is also the God whom we love. That's what's different because of the cross. And the cross of Jesus Christ is what saves us. When I stand before God one day, I will not stand before him on any merit of my own. I will stand before him on the merit of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. God treated Christ the way I deserved on the cross so that God will treat me the way Christ deserves in judgment. That's what God has done. That's imputation. On the cross, Christ took my sin. And one day I will stand before him in judgment. We all will. The Bible's clear on that. You will, as a believer, stand before God in judgment for everything you've said and done and thought. Is that not horrifying? And in that moment, I believe I will catch a glimpse of his holiness. In that moment, I believe I will begin to understand how other he is. In that moment, I begin believe I will catch an idea of why I should truly fear this being who is other, entirely other. But in that moment, as I recognize my own guilt, in that moment, as I recognize my own deserving of damnation, in that moment, as I recognize that I deserve to be separated from this holy presence God, in that moment, Jesus will cry out, he's pardoned. She's pardoned. I won't be declared innocent. I am not innocent. I am guilty, but I will be pardoned because that's what Christ did on the cross for me. And that is the hope of the gospel. That is the hope that we take to this world. That is what we share at Christmas and Easter. I was preaching at the church I grew up in just a number of weeks ago. I got 22 minutes. I'm going to cram it in. Are you ready? Hold on. I mean, I don't 22 minutes. That's all I had this morning. I got a few minutes left. As we, as I'm there preaching, I'm preaching on evangelism and how you win your friends to Christ. This young man, third generation Canadian, Caucasian guy, Mohawk student, 23 years of age, comes up to me and says, I've never heard anything like this before. And I'm confident that God just spoke to me. Just this past week, he and I went out. As we sat there, again, remember, third generation Canadian, Caucasian kid. He looks at me, does God exist? Evolution. I walk him through a whole bunch of stuff. We then begin to talk about, about God and his work, creation. We move into Christmas. We're there at Easter. I'm talking about the death and resurrection of Christ at Easter. He stops me. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. What you're saying is that Easter has something to do with Jesus. I'm like, yeah, I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. And then he said this, I have never heard that before. I've never heard that before. That is our culture. I have never heard that before. And God reached down into your life. God grabbed your life from the pit. God put your feet up on a rock. God has granted you salvation with himself, a relationship that you get to enjoy forever and ever and ever. And not only has he saved you, not only has he grabbed you from hell, but God has allowed you to be adopted into his family. You are his son and his daughter with whom he always lavishes grace and hope and love and peace and life and life abundant. And then he says, you go from this place into this world who has all kinds of opinions and views about me and you let them know that I am the God they get to fear and I am the God they get to love. 
What a great God. And you know what happens to anyone who goes to him? The drug dealers I deal with downtown. The people who've abused their spouse. The pedophiles I've met. The person sitting in chapel today who was looking at pornography this morning or last night. The person who's sitting in chapel today who's so bitter in their heart that they can hardly function. The person who's sitting in chapel today who went too far with their boyfriend or girlfriend again. The person who's sitting in chapel who's never honored God with their wealth, even though God's really clear about that. They come up with all kinds of excuses. Somehow your tuition to Tyndale's become your tithe. Give me a break. Do you know what happens to any one of us who've fallen short of the glory of God, which is all of us? And we realize we can't save ourselves. And we look at this incredible Savior and say, I know I'm a mess. And I know I don't deserve it. But Jesus, do you somehow have it in you to remember me and your kingdom? His answer is gloriously always the same. Always the same. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I, the God of the universe who died and three days later was risen to life again, who spoke everything into existence and holds it together by this very might and will, I tell you the truth. You will be with me in paradise. What great news is that? that that is the gospel we've trusted and the Lord we know. And I promise you this, and it is true. I promise you this, and it is true. That God who died on the cross for your sin and took your place, I don't know what he's calling you to. But I know this. It will always be good. Always. Because he's God. I'm going to ask the team up because we're going to close in song. And as they come up to close us in song, Maybe you're sitting here today and you realize for the first time in your life how much God loves you. If that's true of you today, I just invite you to express how much you love God back in the song today. Maybe you're sitting here today and your sin has been so overwhelming that you've just felt suffocated, even in this place. And today, God's just breathed some life back into you. Today, would you worship that God? Maybe you're sitting here today and you just felt God's love lavished upon you, his grace envelop you. Would you worship that God? And would you thank him? God treated Christ the way I deserve on the cross so God could treat me the way Christ deserves in judgment. And though I will be guilty, by his shed blood I will be pardoned. And all I can say to the God who would do that is thank you, Jesus. I praise your name.